This is Cook Grigo for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. This is another wilderness dialogue tape. I'm out here doing um, field work, making photos of uh, mountain water and some flora, some white bark pine, some carks in the cracker. And it's the end of June. For me, it's still summer solstice time, that big wave coming to the season of full, bright alpine light. And I really am at the source of a part of an entire watershed. And it's just so magnificent the clarity of this water and the patterns, the movement that it makes and everything crystal clear. You can drink right from the river, right from the little stream. You see, the sound is very different than the rushing sound. Listen. There, it's a composite of rivulets and rills. And um, as is my uh, habit when I uh, do these random walks. I'm not all that far from my uh, wonderful uh, base camp. It has a view in all uh, directions. We're getting too much wind here. It's an afternoon breeze. It's just a local wind. Well, as is my habit, as I do these random walks, I'm just kind of a um, lost, uh, scatterbrain butterfly, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I just uh, meander, uh, oh, look at that. And I oh, I, I'm looking right at these alpine buttercups. And they happen to be flowering just right now when I'm here. So that's a unique opportunity. If you're not living here year-round, you only come into a thin slice of time. Excuse me, I happen to be very lucky. You never know what you're going to get for weather and snow conditions. There's a little bit of snow. It's way under what one would expect. This sounds like a field notes report, but we're mixing things. Way under what one would expect with the what locals would call a fairly uh, severe winter. I just think it's that the norms have shifted in the past 20 or 30 years. But with these top-heavy snowpacks, the snow is almost entirely gone on this meadow at 2250. Climate average is about 60% still snow, and we're down to 10, 15%. So all of this water is coming directly from snowmelt. So it's about uh, 4 degrees C. Just up here is a magnificent uh, northern toad uh, love event. They're out there and doing their music uh, night and day. It has a rhythm all its own. That deserves a field notes uh, report too. But what I was thinking of was the this mountain water and consciousness. I just want to give it every bit of energy that I have to pursue that, 
to its, well, to its source. Because there's some very, very mysterious message in this living water. As there is in the flow of consciousness. The present era has abused, misused, and polluted both in not similar ways, but I would uh, suggest in exactly the same way. Because of a kind of derision, division, excuse me. And what is born of division, that's an illusion, right, that I'm separate from this water. In a very superficial I am, but deeper we're coming out of some common source. And that's especially so when we begin to think of consciousness. That I think of myself as a separate, isolated individual. And from that subject-object way of looking at the world is born the idea of control. object way of looking at the world is born the idea of control. With all its multifaceted negative consequences especially talk to the water, trying to control the water. Further downstream, this water flows completely free. It's moving at about, uh, oh, up here it's a gentle incline, but on average about three, four kilometers an hour. So by the time it flows past my office, 1,600 meters lower, it will have moved a good uh, 40, 50 kilometers. So it's purifying itself nonstop. There's a very profound wisdom there. And of course, in recent years, we've come along and blocked the movement not just the flow, the movement of that purification. Now we've done something very similar, I would say identical with consciousness. One of the f results of that fragmentation of thinking as part of consciousness is dividing what for me is not unified, but in a way indivisible. It's coming out of the same source. And we have three different names for them. Art, science, and religion. And out here in my rambling butterfly way, doing my Zen Buddhism marvelous accidents, I just love that description that sometimes the geometry of ideas is helpful. So, well, these uh, Bucky Fuller triangles that in, you get this synergistic 
enormous amplification of strength when three points come together in a triangle. But what I see is that every time I pick up, like I'm doing a recording here, and it's very uh, humbling because of the beauty of the sound. That is the sound of sounds of sounds. Where Homo sapiens, in my view, is a part of the wonderful brutish brain. I mean, that's my grizzly bear brain. I cherish it. It doesn't have a trace of compassion. But it does have a certain kind of intelligence. And where we hear this water, there we are at home. Because we have this security of securities to live with and for and by this water. So the sound is, is precious just in itself. But it's very humbling to talk about these things in the presence of this beauty. Everything we do has those three, I guess we could call them dimensions, art, science, and religion. And when we break them apart, we no longer have a whole. We have just mere fragments. And not only are they broken apart and therefore lose their amplification, what uh, Fuller called that synergism of working together. Syn, I guess, ergon, work, working together. A tremendous amplification of an effect. It's part of nature's most primary set of principles. Well, instead of that synergism, now art, science, and religion are at each other's throats. So they not only don't give each other energy, they, in a very powerful sense, destroy each other's energy. So all three need serious philosophical re defining without being academic or without trying to be too precise but in a general spiritual sense so what makes that possible so now let's turn the triangle into a tetrahedron so that's a pyramid that's sitting on a flat base that base we could call a doing philosophy and like I say, we are all philosophers. So we're all scientists, we're all artists, we're all people of religion. But of course, let's straighten that out right now with religion. Many listeners might object, well, what do you mean there, Cliff, religion? Well, any organized religion, philosophically, I think has to be questioned. Because why? It's trying to get a hold of this sacred movement of this water. So it puts it in a little glass. <laughs> so you have the Jewish glass, and you have the Muslim glass, and you have the Catholic glass. <laughs> and each one is saying theirs is the only one, right? <laughs> and they're all pointing to the same water, but they get terribly confused. So they're at each other's throats too. So we're stepping back from that, including Buddhism, which comes probably the closest to the water as a philosophy. 
But it's become way, in my view, way, way too complicated. That means unnecessarily difficult. I don't have to read any books, and I need no authority whatsoever to sit here with this water. I don't have to even pay anything. When I'm doing my white bark thing, it's also for me a religious thing. In that sense, that it's, uh, I'm thinking about the nature of truth, of ethics, of um, what is the ultimate source of biological form. So I step back from current ideas, which tend to be very reductionistic. Also the way that we're dealing with white bark pine. And if I look at the white parks, which are, as we all know, under threat, well, um, and then we use words like possible extinction and whatever. I draw a very much broader circle. I say, well, okay, but uh, humans are definitely much more endangered by a factor of at least a million, in my view, than white bark pines. At least a million for the very reason that we remain so ignorant of this divisive nature of consciousness, which causes conflict, in my view, in all our relationships, including among scientists. So now we're getting close to what I mean by um, religion. That means it's a spirit that questions everything. It's not tied to anything and is willing to die to anything, any idea, any theory, any way of thinking, any way of doing things. So it's very beautiful and very simple. So I'm tossing that tetrahedron. I actually carry things like that with me as random number generators, <laughs> go figure. So if I pick up uh, a camera, I'm thinking of the composition just, uh, uh, you know, the way that uh, I think about uh, images, photography. I'll think about the philosophy of photography. It's a, it's a worthless, uh, meager art form, in my view, but necessary. Compared to music, it's nothing. And we'll talk another time about that. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the water is the same. But it's a very beautiful thing, this every time you approach a problem, it has these three dimensions. They give each other energy and a certain quality of wholeness that this wa water here has and well, within this water we're looking at, right here, right now, let's listen. Within 24 hours, this very pure water is going to slam into a dam. And that's it, baby. It's as dead as a doornail. Polluted, eutrophied. And we've become insensitive to that. We just think it's normal. Well, up here, it is not normal. 
just like for me, it's not normal that art, science, and religion don't have anything to do with each other. And it's not normal that we accept conflict in any way whatsoever as part of an innate, inherent part of consciousness. Think of that. Okay, anxious to see what you think. Wish you could be here to see this water. There's no photograph that can do justice. I mean, even if it were, heaven forbid, video, it will not. You have to actually be here. And check out that water and consciousness, nothing like a little infomercial. That's at picture-poems.com slash water. What could be simpler than that? Ciao for now.